Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mekaitis. Well, thanks so much for joining us here on episode 74 with Thomas Mangum. Oh my goodness. This conversation was just powerfully resonating with me in my belly all about what it really takes to have a championship team and not so much in platitudes, but in terms of getting real where the rubber meets the road and Thomas really just brought it. So it's so good. You're going to learn one, the three key ingredients of a championship team, two, the basic two-part equation for modeling champions, and three, how to turn breakdowns into breakthroughs. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, you can find those over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep74. Here is a quick bit about Thomas. Thomas draws on over 30 years of experience helping leading companies build championship teams that win. His client roster includes Boeing, Cisco, Oracle, Sony, Shell, DuPont, Northrop Grumman, Liberty Mutual, Johnson & Johnson, Volkswagen, Bose, and many more. As a dynamic speaker, a memorable facilitator, and a provocative coach, he draws on diverse experiences as an entrepreneur, military interrogator, and radio show host. Thomas is known for his team-building training that he brings to world-class brands across the globe. Big thanks to Tom for sharing his time with us and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. It's a trying time that challenges all of our basic assumptions. However, one thing that brings us all together is our common humanity. Now more than ever, teams must come together and work together to solve big challenges. And Trello is here to help. Trello, part of Atlassian's collaborative suite, is an app with an easy-to-understand visual format plus tons of features that make working with your team functional and just plain fun. Teams of all shapes and sizes and companies like Google, Fender, and even Costco all use Trello to collaborate and get work done. With Trello, you can work with your team wherever you are, whether it's at home or in an office. No matter what device you're using, computer, tablet, or phone, Trello syncs across all of them, so you can stay up to date on all the things your team cares about. Keep your workflow going from wherever you are with Trello. Try Trello for free and learn more at Trello.com. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com. Trello.com. Here's Thomas. Thomas, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It's absolutely a pleasure, Pete. Well, I know you have so much expertise and interesting stuff to share with us. So I want to first hear a fun story about you being a military interrogator. Any thrilling kind of 24-esque kind of adventures that you're legally confidentiality-wise allowed to share? Yeah, you knew that was the one thing that you're not allowed to ask me today. Oh, well. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. No, you break no, all Pete, the rules totally here. <laughs> I am completely kidding you. No, 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 no. Oh, my gosh. Do you really want to hear a story? Absolutely. It's exciting. I'll tell you this part of the story. I have to be careful when I do an introduction, when I'm working with a group. And uh, I usually wait later on into the training, and we've done other introductions. Before I said, hey, you know, and I and I used to be an interrogator in the military because the whole audience gets really quiet. <laughs> it is a introduction killer. It's an energy killer when they find out. Now, friends or one on one conversations are they're, they're always like, oh, that's so cool. Tell me. 
And then you know the first question, the question that always comes up. So I really want to know the answer to this question. Did you ever waterboard? Oh. And I, you know, it's so strange to me because that's what people think interrogators do. Mm. And it is part of my job. It's a public service announcement that that is not what interrogators do. No, at least I didn't. I was never privy to that kind of thing. And so if anything, I think some of the best interrogators are real people people. Okay. It's not like you see in movies, not like you see in movies or anything like that. I mean, you might have other people out there who might be doing all sorts of interesting techniques like waterboarding, interrogators, psychological operations people. Uh, we're head doctors. We're people people. We're intuitives. We you know, we feel the energy in the room or, or read the energy in a person. Uh, we do deception analysis, working with everything, prisoners, criminals, or just regular people and reading them. And that's not nearly as nefarious and evil as movies make us out to be. Okay. Because it can be for good. Public service announcement accomplished. Thank you. So <laughs> I can imagine in a team building environment, because like you're the team builder and then you tell them this and they're like, uh-oh, he is going to pull things out of me that are going to be very problematic. I do it for good, not for evil. I do it. And that is part of the joke. Sometimes I'll just say is like, okay, so, you know, in the military, maybe for different reasons. But for you, it's if I want to pull anything out of you, it'll pull the very best out of you. What's really possible for you, uh, what your natural talents are, unique abilities. And then that loosens them up. And, you know, if they had any kind of preconceived notions or ideas about what am I doing? And like, oh, OK, that's good. As long as it's good. Okay. Well, cool. So that the stage is set. And so I want to hear a little bit, you know, you talk about team building. I think that maybe many folks don't even have a great view or perspective on what an outstanding team even looks like. So I know you've seen teams in all shapes and sizes from big companies and small companies that are probably toxic to outstanding. So could you maybe just to orient us a little bit, Paint a picture for what does an amazing team look like? What does a normal team look like? And what does a sort of a poor or underperforming team look like? Just so we could maybe see ourselves in the story. Well, here's one place I want you to start. Anyone listening to start is I want you to picture it could be your favorite sports team. It may be a perception you have of a finely tuned military team, elite team. So it can be sports, military, corporate anything, anything like that. I, I want you to get a picture of, well, what are those teams doing? Because everyone has a slightly different view of what a high-performing championship team is. And this is something I work with executives on because they'll invite me in and say, hey, listen, we want to create a championship team. I want my team to move from good to great. I want them to be extraordinary, high-performing. And I always have to go back to, well, what's your definition of that? And they go, well, it doesn't matter what my definition is. And I'm, you know, I'm taking a few liberties being a little dramatic with mm -hmm. that. It doesn't happen every time. But generally speaking, it does because they think it's like this one thing. And every team is slightly different. Well, what is your vision for an amazing high-performing team? And we start breaking it down and starting there. And it may be they're starting from a, a basketball team. Maybe they're a real sports fan and they're like, man, I really love such and such basketball team or I'm a real hockey fan. And I just think they do something really amazing. But, you know, I've got a corporate team and I don't have a hockey team. So, you know, there's no parallels. And I said, yeah, there is. There's a lot of parallels. So one thing that I have seen with high performing championship teams 
is there are a lot of common elements. doesn't matter what we're talking about. Again, it doesn't matter if we're talking about military sports or corporate teams. There's a lot of overlap. These team members are in it to win it. All they right. got each other's back. They have gone through tough times. And it's almost critical. you got to go through tough times. Now, you may not have bullets whizzing past your head like an elite military team. But corporate teams, well, it could be they're just fighting off a layoff. Mm. Anything like that. Or – you know, uh, or some they've lost, they've been gutted with the talent that they have on their team, but they have definitely overcome challenges, which brings them together. Because as you know, Pete, if you go through any kind of challenges, even personal in your life, if you go through any kind of challenges and you share that with another person, it could be your spouse, loved one, and maybe with the team, you're forever changed. It's memorable. You realize it's like, man, we're still living. We're still breathing. We overcame something and it bonds you. There's a trust that's built that you can't fake and you can't teach. You've got to go through struggles. Mm, yeah. And I like that's really clicking for me in terms of I'm thinking of of intense experiences of, of even training. Maybe it's like, you know, the Bain Associate Consultant training, just like a crazy number of hours with like Excel and PowerPoint and partying. <laughs> and it's like we are galvanized. We're bonded or. I went to this uh, school of supernatural ministry for three weeks. And so just a whole lot of sort of spiritual stuff in terms of, you know, prayer and outreach and all that stuff. And so it's like, we too are bonded because it pushed us past a level that we were kind of accustomed to and comfortable with. And it was kind of like, whoa, we're really getting stretched here. And it's sort of uncomfortable. It's a tough time, not so much in that it's adversity, but it's like, it's a little spooky or challenging or stretching in an intense way. Did you get vulnerable? Yeah. And that's what I always challenge people is like you don't – for some, it is bullets whizzing past their head. For others, they're coming up on the Super Bowl. You know, here you got two championship football teams. And it is about, okay, what happens? Did we fall on our face in front of this other team and do we suffer the humiliation? Well, that's an emotional stretch. That's a mental stretch to get past that. You're forever bonded. It shifts you. Is it what you just said is like maybe at a, a spiritual or a, some other kind of emotional intelligence type of a training where you get so incredibly vulnerable about trauma in your childhood or, you know, you're channeling something in front of a group and something weird. Well, you think it's weird that comes out, but the audience is like, whoa, that was so brave. It was courageous, you know, and no one threw rocks at you. Nobody hated you. But moments of vulnerability are also overcoming training when people witness that and you do it with another group. So it's just an idea. Okay. So I like that. So you laid out three things and I love three things. I can really get my arms around that. So (laughs) (laughs) they're in it to win it as in each individual actually genuinely cares about the performance, the outcomes that group is generating as opposed to, you know, they're punching a clock, they're stowaways, they're just kind of going through the motions of their role and job description. So that's, that's kind of the first thing you say. They're in it to win it. Any expansion on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm very clear about that one. I, I mean, I man, I remember I'm thinking of an executive at the sliding door company and another executive at Enterprise rent a car. I've always get the questions of like, hey, this is going on with my team. How do I create a championship team when I've got such and such people on my team? And I'm like, you know what? There's no shortcut to this is you got to be in it to win it. Yeah, but not all my team members are in it to win it. It's like, okay, let's go back to square A. We need to get them on the team or perhaps this is not a fit for them. And I'll tell you right now, Pete, that is a little too direct and upfront for some people. 
And I think they want a more challenging answer or they want a softer answer. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I think as there's, we got to start cutting it short. We got to be more concise of like if any championship team I've ever seen. I mean, let's use the example of a Super Bowl team, for instance. Can you imagine if all those team members on the Super Bowl winning team or if they're looking, they're going to the Super Bowl. And can you imagine if all those team members are not in it to win it? Yeah, I'm going to give it my best shot. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Heck no. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. And how insane could that be? And I know I'm get, I get kind of dramatic. That's true. I'm very animated. And it's like, but I'm also, it's real. And it's like, can you imagine? And so how could you expect to create a championship high performing corporate team if you think it's ludicrous if you're a military or sports team, but as if there's different rules in corporate America? Sorry, Charlie, you still get to have emotionally intelligent team members. You still have a choice as a leader to have people on that team that are in it to win it. They are all in. That doesn't mean they're sacrificing personal lives or personal agendas. No, it just means they're honest about it. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, listen, I have personal agendas, but guys, don't make any mistake about this. I am in it to win it with you. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So I see that distinction right there. It's clear. And I guess it's this is probably another multi hour conversation, but any kind of pro tips. If you got some colleagues, some collaborators who are not quite in it to win it, how does one contribute to lighting the fire? I love it. To the extent that that can be done. It's a good question because it's a very practical question. It's a very fundamental question. Okay, that's nice. Ideal world and that kind of thing. And, you know, we definitely want to spend the invest the time, I should say, not spend the time, but invest the time in, okay, as a team, do we have a very clear vision of where we're going? Can we get buy-in and alignment from our team? And if there are team members that perhaps aren't completely on board, then we must create a culture as a leader. If I'm a leader of a team, then I get to be very open and vulnerable and whatever uh, and intimate with my team to show them a model of what's possible for this team. Say, hey, listen, you know, we're not all on board. I get that. What would bring you on board? Can we come to a place where we're aligned so that we're not distracted and we're not bleeding off energy from this vision or this goal that we're working on together? A lot of this, Pete, is emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. That might be a new term. I don't, I suspect it is not a new term for your listeners, but it's, it's what I've seen in really great teams. You got to get really, really good about having these quote, tough or hard unquote conversations. Yeah. It's like, man, what's going on with you? What's, we love you. We care about you. In fact, I love you. And I'm saying the love word, you got to add your own definition. I mean, I care about you, right? You want their well being and flourishing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I love you so much that I'm going to, you know, have the conversation with you. What's going on? What's going on with you, Maria? I mean, absolutely. I want you on this team and we want you all on this team. What's distracting you? What's going on? Well, I'm just scared. I just don't. I don't, I'm not buying in to what you guys are buying into. Well, great. That's awesome. Please let us know your objections. What do you think? Like, I want to know your hopes and fears and dreams. I want to, I want to know what your struggles and challenges are. Any great team is going to take, or are you going to invest that time to explore that, Mm. to truly explore, give them some space. In fact, that's, I think that's one of the, one of the things that I've, I've, it's a commonality. It's a commonality. When I look at Fortune 100 teams, uh, I mean, corporate teams and really amazing teams, they create the space to have those conversations. 
I don't mean they take all the time in the world to have therapy around mm-hmm. that person. But I guarantee you this, Pete, is that they absolutely invest the time into letting that person be heard. Yeah. Not just share a few words and vent and them all roll their eyes, but they're like, listen, I'm just naming Maria here, you know, and we give Maria some space because that's the culture that we've created here is that we genuinely care about Maria. Now, it's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to convince or otherwise keep Maria on this team. But we want to have her come to the place of, are you in or are you out? That may sound harsh, but we've already gone through a process of giving her room to air You know what she's feeling, what's going on. Can we create a space where she's included in this or not? Mm. And I'm talking about on the far end of championship high-performing team. There's every – there's a team from the top, top, top percent team high-performing, you know, like that's that – you know, Delta Force or Navy SEAL or Super Bowl team, stuff like that, all the way to, you know, barely functional, dysfunctional teams, I should say. (laughs) And so none of this is a wrong answer. It's not a wrong answer. I know when I'm working with teams, I'm like, guys, when I'm giving you this information, I'm sharing this with you. Please don't think that you start right now and you're giving ultimatums to your team members. But you as a team, you as a corporate team get to decide how tight you call this team. What is the you know, how do you define a high performing team? You can determine where the line is. How far do you go? How tight do you call this? In engineering, if you think about it, the difference between some really slow, clunky car and a high performing race car, you can imagine the tolerances, the mechanical and engineering tolerances are very tight right. uh, when you go with the race cars. I mean, there's, there's a different tolerances, right? And so as a, a friend of mine liked to say, he goes, Hey, how, you know, how tight do you call the team? And he was always thinking, you know, it's like a race car, you know, of what's a what's a fail and what's hey, you can't be a part of this race car because you don't fit that tolerance. But you're perfectly fine being some other model of vehicle. Same thing. I think that's really cool in the sense of it's like we're just going to get real here in terms of. All right, guys, you know, is it okay to be okay? You know, it's like we are, I don't want to trash any particular type of professional, but it's like, hey, you know, we are the compliance department. And by golly, what needs to happen is that our company is compliant. And so that's kind of the level of excellence we're going to shoot for. You know, we don't need to kind of, you know, anticipate new risky things happening in different geographies. We just got to make sure that everyone's following the rules. And that's kind of our standard and what, what we're okay with. And we're going to have it tight in the sense that we're going to be as vulnerable and open and honest and forward with one another as we got to be to achieve that standard of excellence. And we're all cool with that. Yeah, you're on it. Or versus, by golly, we are in a super competitive radio frequency engineering space. You know, you got Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, the other guys. It's like, it's life or death, how amazing your network is. And so we're going to push it to the limit. And so that's what that takes. And are you on board with that? Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. So in it to win it, you know, go ahead. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to add, uh, I just flew in from Dallas yesterday. I was working with Southwest Airlines, which is just Personally, being a travel geek and a travel hacker, just totally personal thing, I was in Nirvana. I mean, it was like, are you kidding me? This is so cool that Southwest Airlines is a client of mine. Word. And I mean, I I was almost outside of myself. They're probably wondering, like, what is up with him? He's like a little kid. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like a little kid. Are you kidding me? Southwest Airlines. And it's weird because I've worked at Microsoft and Sony and all these other companies. 
and don't tell him I said this. Uh, I'm sure this isn't public. No. Um, <laughs> is that but Southwest? Come on, man. And um, you know, it's I always think about something like Southwest, which a lot of companies are like, man, what is Southwest doing? What is Google doing? What is Microsoft doing? I mean, I work with these other teams in corporate America, and this is part of our conversations. Like, yeah, what are they doing? And I'm like, I'm sharing with you exactly what these teams are doing. Actually apply the things that I'm sharing with you. It's not proprietary information. Pete, it's not proprietary information. They genuinely, it's just not words on a piece of paper. Their core values, their mission, their vision, cultivating a culture of giving and receiving clear, authentic feedback. It's not just words on a piece of paper. They back it up. If you were to walk with me, Pete, around this building at Southwest yesterday, you would genuinely feel, wow, this place is about love. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this warm. People are just warm. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? They didn't know who I was. Yeah. I'm just another person in the building. And you see it all over the place. I'm like, wow, does this happen all the time? Yes. Mm. I mean, I have goosebumps right now because it is, it's so nice to see a company that they live those values. Now, do they have breakdowns? You dang right, brother. They absolutely have breakdowns like anyone else. But it's not words on a paper. They have a code of honor by which they live as a team. And it's non-negotiable, really. It's not, you know, a lot of, you know, you probably work with a lot of teams. I know you do. I mean, right. that's, that's why I'm honored to even have this conversation. Oh, shucks. You have so Oh, come on. Don't even, <laughs> don't even start. I mean, you're well, up here. That's true. I have, I'm, here. I'm honored to thank you. It's true. I have worked with many teams. Yeah, and you see this is that we train them, we pass on really amazing information about really great teams, and they're like, wow, that's really interesting. And then sometimes it just becomes an intellectual pursuit versus actual the actual application of doing what great teams are doing. Hey, tell me what great teams are doing. Here's what great teams are doing. Yeah, but – and I'm like, there's yes, no yeah, but. Mm-hmm. No, this is what they're doing. If you want to be a great team, do this. Well, we're doing that, but we're not getting X results. Well, then are you doing things without being things? Because Thomas Mangum is a be, do, and have guy. I mean, really, I simply look at the results. And this is something I pass to clients as well. If you are getting X results, it's simply based upon two other things, how you're being and what you're doing. Sorry, it's a basic equation to me. Mm-hmm. I'm very direct about that. And I get that some companies, let's say they're trying to model Southwest or Google or Microsoft, some of those amazing teams. Let's say they're doing things that we're doing things. We're doing things, Thomas, we're hiring you. I mean, we're bringing team building in and we're doing this, but somehow we're still not having the results that we wanted. And I'm like, okay, so what's the intentionality and the beingness behind it? Because you can do stuff, but not be something. Let me give an example. You can be doing caring things, creating amazing programs and trainings for your people. Is there genuine beingness behind it? Now, I know this dives off into the woo-woo, maybe. Mm. (laughs) Let's say peace. Let's say peace in the workforce, okay? Peace on the team. So you're doing things that create more peace, but there's not peace on your team. Are you being peaceful while you're doing peaceful things? Okay, sure. I mean, I know it can sound kind of trippy to some folks' ear. It's a new concept sometimes. But that's the congruent piece mm-hmm. because it's a very simple equation of if you're not getting the results, then where's the breakdown? Well, we don't have, you know, whatever. We don't have good people. We can make excuses all day. We're just going to look at the result. The result is the feedback based on what we're doing and being. Mm. So do we need to revise who we're being and what we're doing? 
Okay. I'm digging that. And I'm thinking. That's too deep. No, it's excellent. <laughs> well, I think I'm with you in terms of like there's team functioning. And then there's like, I guess, business strategy elements. And it's like, you might have a high, a team that's operating well in terms of it's like teamwork collaboration capacities, but they're sort of doing the, taking the wrong strategic track for the business. And hopefully if a team's operating well, they'll figure that out and surface that and disseminate that and start doing the right things. So it's kind of self-correcting in that way. So this is cool. I'm excited. So I want to make sure we hit then, even at the very beginning, you laid out three principles. And I think it makes a world of difference in terms of zeroing in on, do you have these things? Do you not have these things? So let's talk a bit about the second one, having each other's back. I'm imagining the contrast, the other side of that spectrum is folks are kind of self-centered, thinking about their agenda, covering their rear ends. How should we be thinking about the having each other's back point? Well, you know, if I'm hearing this question correctly and get me back on track if I misinterpret is um, I think every individual, I'm a big believer in emotional intelligence training for every single leader and team member out, every human being. I mean, life would be so much easier if we didn't take things so personally. Everything is personal, but I mean, making everything mean something that it doesn't need to mean. I mean, it's just feedback. Like if you give me feedback, hey, Thomas, uh, you know, I really prefer you did this and that. It's just your preference, man. Right. I'm good with that. That's feedback. It's not like, oh, is he trying to be mean to me? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I wonder what he really thinks. And I'm like, what if it's just what he said? I'm going to take him at face value. It's like, no, I mean, I think Pete cares about me so much that he's willing to give me direct feedback. And so it kind of comes back around to, okay, so willing to have each other's back. We got to get clear on that. I think every individual gets to be asked that, and we must create a culture where we're honest with the answers that we give. There's many teams that I've worked with, and they go through the motions of, "Hey, is everyone aligned to this? Is every you know, are you willing to do whatever it takes to support this initiative on the team?" Everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely." Okay, I want to take you at your word, and then we'll see. And I don't mean I'm being doubting. I'm just saying is that the results will prove were we our word with each other mm-hmm. or not. And so it takes a little practice. Same thing in the military. You know, I got your back, man. When we go into war, I got your back. Now, do I really know that you got my back? Not really. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see, right? I mean, it's not me being the skeptical side. I want to say I'm very glass half full kind of guy. I'm like, I'm going to trust you. And you know, that you got my back and then the results will give us that proof really. And so we got to get out there and go through some trials. Let's do a project together. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then get that kind of feedback and the feedback being the results that we're getting about whether someone truly has my back. Now that brings us back around. How do I know whether someone's got my back? Well, it would be normal not to trust everyone a hundred percent, but if I was a leader of a team I've got to to, breathe, to cultivate trust on this team by being trusting. So if you're on my team, Pete, and I say, hey, do you have my back? Because I have yours. And we say, yes, I'm going to take you at your word. All right. I mean, we've got to. And then we got to see what happens. And then we, you know, we course correct as we go. And if there's a breakdown, like, hey, what happened in that meeting? You're able to go there and have that correction conversation. Yeah. I mean, leaders do break down. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and, and here's the cool thing. Embrace the breakthrough. I, I you know, even teach at a leadership academy in San Diego and I, I work with a lot of high performing leaders and they're very emotionally intelligent. And that's part of the training around being a really amazing leader. And 
like I was just telling one of the folks I work with, I was telling her, I said, listen, you know, sometimes you say that you're scared of breaking down and what would be possible in your life? It would truly be available in your life if you were looking forward to breakdowns. And she says, why? Why would I ever look forward to breakdowns as a leader? I mean, that's embarrassing, humiliating, whatever. And I said, well, because whatever, what happens after every breakdown? And she goes, well, I mean, I shift and I break through. I'm like, there you go. There's no shortcut. It's impossible. You can't have a breakthrough without having a breakdown. Okay. So look forward to stretch comfort zone and having breakdowns. Now let's bring that back around to corporate America and working on a corporate team. What does that look like in a very tangible way? Well, what if if I was a leader of a team, I'd want to cultivate a culture of practical risk taking, allow my folks to take risks and make mistakes. Now that's going to look different in every business. Right? It depends on what the level of a, too much of a risk is and whatever. But how can you expect to grow as a team and team members grow if you are not taking risk and breaking down? Mm. Preach. I'm with you. I, that's <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of invigorating in the sense that <laughs> it's like a kind of like when I, for example, see that maybe I have a virus on my computer. I don't go, oh, no, uh uh-oh. I go, excellent. This thing is about to get cleaned, and it's about to get a lot faster up in my MacBook Pro, and that excites me. And so... Hilarious. And so that's so it. it's similar. It's like as opposed to I, I think we also have a lot of like you know anxiety or trepidation. Like oh I hope I don't screw this up. Uh, whereas it's like oh well if I screw it up then it's a breakdown and there's going to be a breakthrough on the other side of it. So I can be as excited about that prospect as I am for ooh goody we found a virus aka an opportunity for improved computer performance. I'm excited. Thank you. <laughs> I'm thrilled about that. I mean you know I I got off the phone. Just a moment ago before this call with an executive at at a Accenture, you know, technology consulting firm, Mm -hmm. and we're doing a training for her in California. And her specific directive was, hey, listen, I really, you know, I want my senior leaders to have a transformational experience where their comfort zones are stretched and they truly, you know, they look back on the day and they go, wow, you know, I, I can't believe I actually did that. You know, look what I can do today that I didn't think I could do before. And what's fun about this is, is Pete, all of my trainings are very engaging, tangible. We're putting them in business simulations and doing things. It could be a very physical thing. It could be a physical exercise that show a team member what they're truly capable of. Mm-hmm. And it's not always physical. It could be mental, emotional, whatever. And, you know, and it brings me back to this point here is it's a way to take them out of their element, their corporate element. And I think that's why I'm a big believer. Well, I know that's why I'm a big believer in team building and this kind of this kind of training is because sometimes it's tough because there's attachments and beliefs. If we just talk about the business and how to take uh, risks and stretch comfort zones in the context of the business, that's why I say, OK, let's take a physical exercise. Yeah, you and me, right, you know, just us standing here and we're out of the context of the business, but we're going to solve a problem together. And I'm taking you out of the context of the business so there's no attachments and beliefs around that. And then we're going to break that down and debrief it so that once you do this physical, let's say we did an acrobatic yoga move together to stretch some comfort zones and to build some trust, then you get to go, whoa, you know, I get to see how I get to be with my team members. 
or I see what I can do in business because of this business simulation that you just did with me. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Thomas, I'm pretty sure that I have way more questions than we have time to answer. So maybe a repeat visit will be required. So am I in trouble? No, the problem is that you're too good. That's the problem. So thank you. Yeah, that's a very polite way of saying is like you ramble on. No, okay. Well, it's funny. I mean, maybe we can make it more succinct, but I was enjoying the ramble. I was taken along for the ride in a good way. So I'm going to ask you just maybe a couple more things before we hit the fast faves segment. And that is, tell me, day in, day out, teaming, collaborating with people, what would you say are some of the most commonly occurring great things that we should start doing all the time and terrible things that teams should stop doing right away? Oh, man. Great things with our teams. Cultivating a culture of, I always come back to practical risk-taking, and that can include being one's word, like being my word, that take people at their word. Like don't second-guess them. Take them at their word. Let them break down. Let them make good on their word, and it breeds trust with each other. Create the space for connection. Ask Ask big questions, go deep questions, not that superficial BS stuff of like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how's the project going? And I'm like, go deep, man. Hey, what's really bugging you about the project? What are you scared about? What are you scared about with the project? What are you so incredibly excited about with the event that's coming up? Go deep. Mm-hmm. These are, I call it emotional intelligence questions. It's like, be the loving interruption on the team. Be a model of what you genuinely want on your team. And let me explain that one really, really well here is that if I'm on a team and I'm like, man, I don't know, I just don't feel totally connected to my team. It's like be a model of possibility. Well, what does that mean, Thomas? I mean, be and do to have different results with your team. Mm. So if you wish there was more vulnerability on your team, be vulnerable. How do I be vulnerable? Ask the question you've always wanted to ask your boss. But what if I get fired? (laughs) Everything has consequences. (laughs) (laughs) but what if what if you know what if you didn't get fired what if they're like man pete what happened to you yeah or this guy is a cut above there you (laughs) i have been yearning for this level of engagement from my team members and it has been nowhere to be found thank you That could happen. That could happen. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. So, well, now you tell me if there's kind of one more nugget that you'd like to drop in a minute or two before we hit the fast faves, what would that nugget be? You know, it always goes back to the Maya Angelou quote, and she's my favorite poet. And she always said something like, people may forget what you did. People may forget what you said. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. It's kind of the do it anyway rule of I acknowledge anyone out there that's being a model of what's possible. As far as I've ever seen, leadership is a lonely path. Innovators, being an innovator, a way changer, uh, you know, a a thought leader out there, a do leader, it's a lonely path being Mm -hmm. out front. And that's not to detract with anyone. It's like take that road. Ask the question you've most wanted to ask be the person you've most wanted to be, be loving and caring and trust that, you know, being you will attract those that you're meant to be on a team with those that you're meant to lead. Mm. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Pete and Thomas and every CEO you see out there, Barack Obama, everybody out there, we all have hopes 
dreams, struggles, challenges, fears, things that terrify us and things that inspire us. We're all human. The person in front of you is a human and they're more you than different. Mm. Speak to that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So you gave us a favorite quote. Could you now share a favorite study or experiment or piece of research? I'll tell you a book I really like. All right. Is that close? Sure. It's kind of a study. It's kind of a study. So Ryan Levesque wrote a book called Ask. There's something really brilliant about the book. Just ask, period. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now because it's a favorite book. And it really was about the counterintuitive online formula. It's about online marketing, really. Mm -hmm. But it applies to so many other things. The counterintuitive online formula to discover exactly what your customers want to buy, create a massive ribbing fans and take any business to the next level. And here's the takeaway. What I like about the study and the research that he did is that it's like we'll have a discussion of like, hey, I wonder what Google is doing on their team. Oh, my gosh, what are they doing that that's so special? And we can have meetings upon meetings and upon meetings. And what Ryan gets to is, well, why don't we ask? Mm-hmm. Bam. Why don't we ask? I mean, well, you know, I bet you, Pete, you must have gone through a phase at some point in your career and said, man, I, wa- I wonder what people really want to hear me talk about on podcast. <laughs> And like, I wonder, I wonder, you talk to your advisors and your marketing people and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, what about you ask your audience? Amen. What do you guys want to hear? I'm like, duh. I mean, it's like, that's the short circuit thing is ask. That very question shows up when anyone signs up for the gold nugget email list. So go ahead and sign up for that. And I will ask and I will respond to what listeners say. And we've had specific guests because of specific requests and it makes a world difference. So thank you for that. And how about a favorite tool? You know what? The first one that comes up is the one that annoys me, but it also keeps me organized. And that's why I I really love having a great team that's more analytical than me Mm -hmm. and more supportive because I'm, I will admit right now, I'm not the most organized because I kind of channel a lot of stuff and they keep me on track. And that is a tool called Asana. I really like Asana, A-S-A-N-A. And I don't think I could live without Google Calendar either. (laughs) Mm, Amen. And how about a favorite habit, a personal practice of yours that's really been transformational? This last year, I would have to say meditation. I've been in love with Andy's uh, Headspace app. Mm. And, you know, I've always had this uh, hit or miss relationship with meditation (laughs) or, you know, love, hate kind of a thing. And as much as I live on a plane and I mean, two or three times a week doing time zones, Meditation has been so good to my particular personality style to give me these moments of peace anywhere I am. Mm. And so a daily meditation, even just for a couple of quick minutes to be peaceful and be present in that moment has completely shifted my results this year. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. And that does keep popping up. We had Dan Harris Dan, on. Dan talked about it. Yeah, earlier. And it's come up again with Chris Bailey, episodes 44-ish and earlier, it's a common theme. So thanks for reinforcing. And how about a favorite sort of resonant nugget, something that you communicate or share that folks really seem to nod their heads, take notes and connects with them? Ah, yes, every single time. Every single time, it's a little cliche, but you know what? Here's the thing. You could hear it a hundred times and not get it until the hundred and first time. And that is be willing to be who you've never been before to do something you've never done before. Be willing to do something that you've never done before to create results that you've never had before. One version of that. Mm. Because otherwise, I mean, listen, I'll just leave it at that. I mean, if you're not, you got to be willing to do that because 
I always come back to something. I think it was Jim Collins, I think in Good to Great. I thought he said that. I'm going to give him credit for it. Was is that what got you the results that are that what's what do you say? Um, what got you here won't get you there. Yes. There you go. Okay. There you right, go. Yeah. What got you here? What got you here will not necessarily take you there to that uh-huh. next place. Because it's an arrogance thing of like, I got this, I got this. And I'm like, yeah, but what got you here may not be what gets you to that next place. You must be willing to be someone you've never been or be willing to do something you've never done before to create results you've never had before. Mm, that's so good. Thank and you. that one always gets like writing and like, oh, man, that was provocative. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you. And how about a favorite way to be contacted? If folks want to learn more and check you out and see what you're up to, where should they go? I like that. A favorite way to be contacted. Some people love email. <laughs> some people not so much. They got too much email. What's your style? Well, I used to be big on Twitter and, and I really like that tool, but I will admit I have not been very good with that lately, but it's kind of an easy thing. But I think all the connection is over at connectwiththomas.com. Mm-hmm. And then it's fine, uh, whether it be uh, LinkedIn or you know Facebook or Twitter. Twitter's kind of cool to go back and forth on. Cool. I like that. And how about a favorite challenge or call to action to leave folks with who want to be more awesome at their jobs? Well, that was part of that wisdom. Ask the question. Be present that you have the wisdom that you need. If you have a question that's percolating, you really want to ask that team member. Or if something just seems out of whack with that other team member, ask. Speak into it. As a coach of mine like to say, she used to say, speak into it. Speak about what you feel is an elephant in the room. And do it in a very gentle and, and caring way and watch what you unlock in your team members because they, they feel seen. Like what if that person's like, huh, whoa. So you can tell that I'm not in a good mood today? And I'm like, I don't know, just something seems off. Is there something I can support you on or, you know, what's up? Mm. And that's a very caring way to be that can unlock all sorts of different uh, possibilities. Oh, beautiful. Thomas, this has been so good. There's so many follow-ups. I would love to do a round two sometimes in some months from now if you're open to it because I love the way you work it. I'm resonating with your stuff and I wish you tons of luck so that more and more teams get transformed by what you're offering here. Pete, I love you, man. You are, I'm a big fan. You are so much fun. I love the playfulness and the way that you, that we kind of feed off of each other. I enjoy this process. So I would love any other opportunity to play and explore. Perfect. Well, until then, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks to Tom for sharing those bits of wisdom and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Mm, I hope that hits home and inspires a few conversations that you probably have known somewhere that you needed to have with some teammates. And I hope you find the courage to have those and take it up a notch. So good. Again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the links to things mentioned, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F74. And please, if you haven't already, I'd appreciate it if you push the subscribe button so you don't miss guests like our next one, Lynn Robinson. If you liked some of this heart emotion stuff, you're going to get a kick out of Lynn, who is an expert in talking about intuition and how to tap into some extra wisdom that way. Until then, peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 